stuff. So the chickens are missing feathers, their skin underneath where the missing feathers is like red, which shouldn't be. And they just look scrawny and they kind of, they have a big pen, but they're all huddled up. And if you throw grass in there, all 15 come rushing over and devour it. So um, we didn't let the chickens out the first day we were moving in here. Cars and trucks coming and going and like, 48 49 50 ish kids i'm exaggerating but it felt like that <laughs> real feel <laughs> there was a lot of kids and it just seemed better to not kind of add to that chaos but as soon as the next day when kind of every, the dust had settled we opened the doors we let them out bailey sent us to the chicken store with a long list of things just you know to start boosting their nutrition because she said because she was like, well, let me, she looked at a bunch of pictures of them because at first she was like, well, maybe they have this, that, the other thing. And then she was like, okay, it looks like they're basically just starving. What are they eating? And mm -hmm. so Gary took a picture. The feed bag doesn't have any label on it. It's just like a sack from a grain store. And she's like, looks like they're basically eating wheat, which means they're not getting protein, calcium, all the things that chickens need. All the things that we eat eggs for <laughs> weren't going to be so what she said is chickens, if they're low in protein, they literally start pulling out their own feathers and eating them because one feather is enough protein to make an egg. Really? And yeah. And she said also they can get bored and start pulling each other's feathers out. Hmm. So. Well, if you want, I can talk to my nanny. My nanny like is obsessed with chickens. So usually she'll go to like the local not farmer's market, but like the local like store and they'll give her chickens and she'll keep them in her tub until they start getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And it's like, she'll, she's like, the chickens will not go to anybody else but her. Like they're obsessed. Yeah. You know what? Bailey said that. Um, so, so Bailey's like our local chicken queen and she was telling Jacob, cause we were at her house a couple days ago. We buy our eggs from her right now. She has chickens and ducks. And so we were at her house a couple days ago and she was telling Jacob, um, she goes, when you get, cause we'll get chicks, obviously we need to kind of rehab the herd, I guess a little bit, but, um, so we'll get chicks. And she said, Jacob, you go in every day and say whatever you're going to say to them, like, Hey, chicky chickies or Hey mm -hmm. girls. And she yeah. said, they'll basically map onto you. And she goes, they will follow you everywhere. Well, these yeah. chickens, I think they like became obsessed with Jacob. He can carry them, pick them up and carry them. And like he sits on the bench and puts them next to them and just sit with him or he puts them like in the little toy car and then you just like sit there. And so I was like, they're either too stunned and shocked to know what to do yeah. or they like don't care, but they I look at home. So yeah. we're doing rosemary and oregano oil in their water and thieves mm -hmm. cleaner in their water wash their nesting boxes with water the clove and rosemary is really good for cleaning any potential like problems in there and then diatomaceous earth in the nesting boxes and then bedding on top of that and then dust baths for them with diatomaceous earth and ashes from the wood stove and um growers ration so you didn't know this but chicken feed you can get growers ration which is like for chicks or layers ration, which is like supposed to be for older ones. And Billy was saying, you know, they say, oh, when they're layers, they're already premature. They don't need these kinds of nutrients, which is like, if you do feed them grows ration, you'll be surprised how much better they do. So I was like, perfect. And then of course, mealworms 
and um, crushed oyster shells. And then all their eggs we gather, we boil and put them back out on the hill and smash them with a hammer so they eat them. <laughs> um, <laughs> all our food scraps, which is good stuff, you know, like broccoli and sourdough bread. <laughs> Basically, they're eating the same thing we are right now. So, <laughs> at least they're eating. Yeah, and now of course they're just wandering all day eating bugs out of the ground nonstop, which is good for us too. So, and slugs, lots of slugs. Very. a pan of literally slop from the kitchen, and I was like, "Here, Gary, take this out to the chickens." Jokingly, I said, "I'll eat it for breakfast tomorrow." <laughs> I mean, it's true. Um, if you are on Instagram, did you see I posted on my stories that um, I posted from Tara or Tara? I'm not sure how she says her name. The slow down farmstead girl. Um, she said somebody asked her what shocks you the most about being a farmer or something, and she said when you're buying, she said the deplorable condition of domesticated animals. She said when you buy other people's animals, you're buying their problems. And I just thought it was a timely post that she put up because that is what we did. We bought someone else's animals with, uh, you know, tons of problems. And if these eggs are in... Every single thing that she posts is like super like... Literally everything. I'm like, how is every single post that you post? I'm I want to save it into a folder and just like read it and like it's it. like that collection section in there. Like it took me forever to like realize that I could use that. Like use you, you're like, oh, I just saved those things like to download stuff in there. I'm like, wow, I didn't even realize I could like I didn't understand what it was really. Yeah, well, yeah. otherwise you just get lost and I never see them. Anymore. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, like tiny interest. I was like screenshotting stuff for myself i had so many screenshots oh what a pain so i, I was like oh, awesome. never go back and look at it and now i'm like how many collections is is the limit here <laughs> yeah where, where does this end <laughs> um i'm with you too um amanda just popped up on the chat thread was she okay i think i just missed it probably was just catching up i must have just missed the last few or something um What's crazy is if you were buying eggs from these chickens in the store, the package could say organic, outdoor, tons of access, they eat bugs, um, they could even say vegetarian diet, you know, because they're not, gonna, they're not feeding the birds bugs, although the birds are eating bugs, um, and vegetarian diet, BT dubs is the worst thing you could give a chicken, but um, for some reason it's a labeling perk. <laughs> I don't know. That one blows my mind. Every time I hear that, I'm just like... I think it's because vegetarians <laughs> probably think like, oh, I should eat chicken eggs from vegetarian chickens so that I'm not eating... But, but like, okay, do they not know what chicken <laughs> is? Be I don't know. I don't they know. eat bugs. They eat things. Like, come come on. You're eating a egg made out of grain at this point. Like, <laughs> and you are what your food eats. So these eggs would say small farm all the fresh air um and then probably even say happy chickens and you'd think oh i am just getting the best possible nutrition so um i should have taken a picture serena of one of the egg yolks so i could compare and see if they get darker and stuff oh okay, that i want to see if i can so turn it around cool. because 
They just made like a little club and started going down the hill. This is probably not interesting to anybody except for me. I don't, can you zoom in on Zoom? <laughs> as soon as I said that, I realized how dumb that was. Well, I guess you can't see them, but oh, whoop, I did it again. But um, they're just going down the hill. It looks kind of cute. The kids just follow them around. Anyways, <laughs> it has nothing to do with. Hey, that was a chicken protocol for free. <laughs> Actually, what we're here I to think talk something about. Something happened. Oh, am I back? Oh, you're back. I'm back. She's back. <laughs> Um, so actually tonight I want to do the yeast and candida protocol. Um, not the, you know, screen one, which we will get to, I promise. Um, so let's talk yeast, yeast infection, yeast infection, surprisingly deadly is her chapter header. So yeast does grow in naturally in the colon and it's harmless and um it can be beneficial oh fire just messaged me we have all the utilities in our name um possibly beneficial in small amounts and it can help control bad bacteria in your colon i know yeast and bacteria cohabit in kombucha um in different ferments you know there can be positive benefits um and it's it it's exists on the outside of our body as well and as like tons of bacteria also we're just, we're basically a giant scoby. So they're just part of the world that we live in. And it's not like we want to kill all these things, um, kill, death, kill. We don't want them all gone completely. But they can get out of hand or be um, under supplied also. Sometimes we get an overgrowth of yeast in our colon. And that can be often as the result of excessive use of antibiotics. They the, so antibiotics kill bacteria, but they do not kill yeast. So when you have the two things, it's like the invasive plant in a garden or invasive animal. When you kill the natural predator or the natural control, then the other thing can just get completely out of hand. There's no checks and balances. So, and this bummer is that antibiotics indiscriminately kill friendly bacteria in the colon, the ones that you use to live, etc., as well as they target the bacteria that are purportedly the problem. So that's kind of a risk we run with antibiotics. A good rule of thumb to always remember is that from um, taking antibiotics, if you ever have to take a round of antibiotics, does anybody have a guess for how long it takes to restore the natural bacteria balance if you're doing a good job working on it? What is it, like seven years? Yep, seven yeah. years. <laughs> so if you think, well, I haven't had antibiotics you know, since gosh, 2015, you're still working on restoring your gut. And that's if you're actively working on restoring your gut. So um, that's kind of shocking to think when you think about how frequently and quickly antibiotics are handed out. Most people take antibiotics more than once every seven years. So they're always in a deficient state. And you would think to yourself, well, then when it may be seeing lots of problems related to having bacteria and yeast imbalances and the answer is absolutely yes and that's why everybody you know <laughs> is texting you asking what oil you have and that's not <laughs> mm, that's a dangerous road to go down so the friendly bacteria or flora that live symbiotically in our colons they're important for a number of reasons but the most important reason is that they help to keep harmful bacteria and yeast under control this is 
of course, a big deal. When there's not enough friendly bacteria in the colon to control the yeast present there, we get out of control yeast growth, which causes our body to be flooded with mycotoxins and alcohol that yeast produces, giving rise to potentially severe mental, emotional, and physical problems. Um, and can lead to things as severe and unexpected as multiple sclerosis. I actually heard of someone who couldn't figure, like was having severe male problems. Sorry, they're texting nonstop Gary and them about mail. And they said, we just, we have the mail key. And like, we don't have the mail key. We, we haven't forwarded our mail. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, was, I read what popped up on the screen. So, um, I read about a lady who had these constant health problems and um, her symptoms were odd and she couldn't figure out what they were and she's trying all these different things and nothing was working and eventually I think like a naturopath or something determined she basically had so much alcohol in her body that her body was producing. She was literally perpetually drunk and um, that was just yeast out of control which i thought was i've never heard of that super crazy so maybe go to the duck, duck go search engine and see if you can learn more about that so one of the ways friendly bacteria helps keep yeast under control is by maintaining a slightly acidic environment in our gut so yeast as well as other bad actors require a neutral to alkaline environment to flourish which if you do a lot of fermenting or lactic acid ferments then you're definitely um, familiar with that kind of balance so without beneficial bacteria and their acidic secretions to keep it in check yeast morphs from an ovoid budding shape to a malignant rhizoid network of spiky tubular shaped fungi i mean you would need like a microscope i think to see this probably i'm not sure um, and these can act to alkalize the gut even more by excreting ammonia gas so as to create conditions for to promote faster multiplication if you've ever wondered how to make your kombucha fizzy what you actually do is you add like a carbohydrate source i will tie this in i swear you add like a carbohydrate source and then seal the container and let the yeast consume the carbohydrates for a while or like sugar um, glucose um so let the yeast consume the carbohydrate or the glucose for a while and then the yeast um, waste product is what creates that gassy bubbles. So then when you open the bottle, it hisses that like CO2 hisses. And if you, <laughs> if you leave it for too long in there, it will create so much gas that the bottle will explode, which I have hundred percent. I actually blew up an entire gallon of kombucha once. Whoopsies. But, um, that was, or you let it go right in the middle and then you, you, you struggle to open it and then it goes whoosh, in your face and you're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I sealed um, like beer bottles with strawberry kombucha in it one time and I put them in the fridge for a slow, slow ferment because I've never had them blow up in the fridge even when they've sat in the fridge for months and months on end. But I opened it in the sink and it shot up like a fountain and just like foamed and foamed and foamed. It was kind of delicious, but also... Um, it's a lot of yeast. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's so interesting how when you, the closer you get to your food and your animals also, I'm not saying like 
like animals that you necessarily own, but just like animals that you like eat and understanding their processes, the more you understand your own human processes because um, biology and organisms are as they are and we all work pretty much the same way. It's very fascinating. So in this um, dangerous form of yeast, it creates dozens and dozens of toxins. Um, some say up to 79 different ones and also creates holes in your colon wall, which we know how important the colon is. Do you guys know colorectal cancer is the second biggest cancer killer? Um, that's insanity. So um, it allows macromolecules of foreign matter and undigested proteins to enter your blood system, which leads to allergies and diseases. And that's, you know, um, a lot of people ask all the time, what oils do I use for allergies and stuff? And, and that's when you know, okay, it's time to be in laying the groundwork of an understanding of an education that oils are part of healing. Um, are, I shouldn't say healing. Oils are just part of having a healthy body and stopping doing the things that are harming and perforating our body. And there's health protocols that are going to involve food and everything like that, that we need to engage in for, you know, clearing up these kinds of things. And it's not just um, drop an oil on your face and you're good to go. <laughs> Although you can do that if you want to. So um, another motivation to keep your colon clean is that if for some reason you kill beneficial bacteria with antibiotics, the perforation of the colon by runaway candida will not allow toxic impacted fecal matter to, hold on, I think she means it will allow toxic impacted fecal matter to leak into the bloodstream. So they're basically be like poop in your blood. So I'm just going to throw that out there. So if, um, and you'd be like, wouldn't these people have health problems? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look at America. So if left unchecked, candida can spread from our colon throughout the body. Uh, blood temperature is uh, ideal for candida. It's like the perfect temp. And so is your blood pH. So if candidiasis progresses far enough, it can aggressively insinuate itself into cells and organs and make itself a part of them, just like a mold. Um, which is another fungus can become part of like the fabric of a basket or not that I would know this personally, but forgotten wet laundry, <laughs> other people, other moms who aren't as good as me. So fungi can attack organic matter, which you are, <laughs> we're organic matter. Um, not to put too fine a point on it, she says, but when the beneficial gut flora with the beneficial gut flora wiped out, the candida fungus thinks you are dead and you're trying to decompose your body. So you start to ferment. <laughs> but don't worry. You can offset this decomposing process by using toxic shampoos and conditioners, soaps and cleaners that all have formaldehyde in them. So you'll actually be preserving your body, your corpse that you're walking around in. You won't think I'm so fast. You know, I think that's so interesting because Becky was telling me about one of the <laughs> Ashley's face. I'm so sorry, Ashley. I know. One of the components <laughs> in, in, in what was it, in wheat is... Wait. There is that like when it starts to break up in your stomach it produces a gas that's what our bodies produce when we're decomposing ah! that's gross mm -hmm. well 
And I, you think I'm exaggerating about the shampoos and conditioners. I can see it in your eyes, but I'm not exaggerating at all. Um, uh, a funeral parlor, is that what we call it? Funeral home, <laughs> funeral worker people have said that uh, bodies are not decomposing as quickly because they're coming in basically pre-mummified, if you will, while they're alive, which is horrifying. Actually, just imagine how well that organ is working when it's totally like mummified like that. Yeah. Think how miraculous our bodies are that we can do all this to them. And they're like, I'll get going for you. <laughs> we imagine, believe in you. And then imagine if you were treating it properly and doing all the stuff, how amazing you would feel and how much great your body yeah. works. Like, well, wow. look at the people who do treat their bodies with such reverence, as we talked about last night, and preciousness and the way you're like, oh, if I had half their energy. Yeah. So there's a book uh, by Dr. William Crooks called The Yeast Connection. So that's a thought to jot down if this is an issue for you. He describes 450 different symptoms of yeast overgrowth. So I'll list up a couple because if you're like, do I have yeast overgrowth? I don't know. Um, these include, obviously I'm not going to say all 450, but um, IBS, vaginal infection, hormonal imbalance, chronic sinusitis, fungal growth on skin and nails, thrush in the mouth, headache, fatigue, mood swings, depression, suicidal thoughts, slow learning, brain fog, memory problems, inability to concentrate, allergies, decreased immune system function. And remember, if you're thinking, but these are some of the same symptoms we heard from some of the other issues, just remember, as strange as it may sound, our bodies are connected, all the organs plug into each other, one unit, and when one isn't working, the other is overworking, and if one is overworking, uh, the next one is super taxed. And so problems in one place show up in another and everything sucks until we make it better. So these can give you a good idea. These sometimes if you maybe have a yeast infection, a lot of people know if they do, um, but it's not always the typical yeast infection that we think about. So, um, apart from symptoms, which you may not initially identify, you might not be like brain fog. I must have the yeast infection. You know, you might not initially connect them, but if you've been on antibiotics for any length of time, if you've had chemotherapy, if you're taking steroids, antacids, ulcer medications, or birth control pills, you've created a condition for yeast overgrowth and you probably have it. Um, what is her name? She was interviewed on Mind Body Green and on the Lacey Phillips podcast. And she actually has that book all about the female like cycles and things. And she talks about, she says, what she actually says is that she has protocols for rehabilitating your body after exposure to birth control. It's very dangerous. And she said, one thing we're not told is that birth control pills, actually even just using them, you know, one time back in the past, um, they can actually permanently change cell function, which is not something your doctor tells you when they're selling it to you. Or maybe your doctor did. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. So um, excess sugar consumption, which is basically literally the standard in American diet, can have a lot to do with yeast overgrowth. Uh, sugar 
is yeast favorite food? What did I say? We feed kombucha if we want to triple, quadruple, and exponentially bajillify the yeast in there. Any glucose source or carbohydrate, which carbohydrates convert into sugar, you know, once they been digested. So yeast population can potentially double in two hours in a warm environment. If you've ever done that double a penny a day thing, then you know that doubling um, gets really big really fast. <laughs> That's why your bottles blow up. <laughs> so um, they can double in two hours in a warm environment, such as our colon. And with the right amount of sugar, they can then keep increasing exponentially to the limits of available food. So to make things even worse, the alcohol that the rapid growth of yeast produces, not only does the alcohol a problem in the body, but it is also detrimental to the friendly bacteria, which the poor beleaguered souls that are left after the antibiotics or the sugar consumption or whatever are now trying to fight this yeast, but they can't win because the alcohol and the yeast are like killing them. So a sweet tooth, which describing me, uh, probably stems from the candida itself, which demands that you feed it sugary foods it needs. So parasites um, basically tell us what they want. <laughs> and then we go and find it. So candida is the leading cause of mortality from infection introduced by catheters. Um, candida has been shown to convert mercury to a methylated form that is stored in body fat and is much more difficult to get rid of. So you have somebody who's injecting mercury and eating sugar and taking antibiotics because the injected mercury gives them a double ear infection. Does anyone else see the perfect storm here? <laughs> yeah, it's piling up on top of each other. Uh, when, as soon as we introduce, you know, cascade of interventions, I'm not just referring to birth, but as soon as we introduce cascade of interventions to our body, uh, one thing, you know, out of balance leads to another thing out of balance and it's hard you know and the thing that tries to fix the other thing now screws the other thing up so candidiasis is a very serious condition it can be at the root of many named diseases that are typically diagnosed and treated individually even cancer so it's been found in as many as 91 percent of ulcerative colitis cases alone and has likewise been associated with no shock, Crohn's disease, IBS, rheumatoid arthritis, asthma, eczema, hives, peptic ulcers, lupus, depression, personality changes, schizophrenia, autism, and ADHD, which you may or may not notice are the side effects of pretty much every drug and biologic that people talk about. Um, it's almost like they are messing with our bodies. So weird. In um, so you might never succeed in healing from the other diseases that you're trying to fix because, you know, you're trying to take a pill for the schizophrenia or a pill for the rheumatoid arthritis, but you're never actually changing the candida problem and the candidiasis remains. And what are you supposed to do? Because, you know, as soon as you like basically fill one mole hole and the mole pops up in another place. So, um, let's talk about candida test. So there's a simple test to do for candida, which I'm super going to do. <laughs> so first thing in the morning, before you eat or drink anything, even before you drink water, take a clear glass of water, work out some saliva and spit it into the glass. 
then check it every 15 minutes for an hour. If your spit remains a blob on the top of the water, you probably don't have candida. Weird. On the other hand, sorry that all of these protocol zooms are so disgusting. Um, I should also put a disclaimer on the thing that's like, do not eat dinner right before or during the Zoom call, <laughs> which is literally what we're all do. We all we all do it. We don't. That's care. hilarious because that's what I'm. I'm talking to my grandma today. I'm like, oh, I have something really awesome to tell you. Wait, are you eating? Yes. <laughs> but go ahead and tell me anyway. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, um, if the spit spreads out, uh, I'm sorry, or develop and develops long tendrils hanging down, sinks to the bottom of the glass, or creates specks in the middle of the water, you are very likely infected with oral candida at the very least. But you can also go with symptoms and history. You know, if you're on birth control pills, if you have taken antibiotics, if you are on, and you know. Um, drugs. If you're eating a standard American diet, you can pretty much just assume that that something needs to change. <clears throat> so there's prescription and over-the-counter remedies. Obvious money to be made. Um, this person does not necessarily recommend them. Uh, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Hashtag not a doctor, but. Um, the problem with these prescriptions is now you're trying to fix a candida problem, but those prescriptions now are actually killing your kidney and your liver and they can cause migraines, which, sorry, if something is literally making my brain hurt, I feel like I probably shouldn't be hanging it. And um, you're trading your colon now for your liver and your kidney. And like, which organ do you want to give up? <laughs> which thing do you want to die from liver disease uh kidneys shutting down or candidiasis and getting infected from a catheter like which one do you want to die from i, I pick none of those actually <laughs> i pick <laughs> goodbye so um yeast also learns guys Microbiology, yeast, and bacteria are literally geniuses. They're geniuses. And if we could even begin to understand them, I, you talk to any microbiologist and they'll tell you, like, we don't even understand this world at all. Like, it's, it's universes and universes unto itself. But um, yeast is really smart. It, it, produce, it learns to produce a biofilm. Um, that protects itself from pharmaceuticals that are supposed to kill them. So pretty soon, the pharmaceuticals don't work. <laughs> So yeast is very adaptive and very resilient. That's like why it survives. And um, natural methods, kind of like we learned with um, talking about the kidneys and parasites and things like that, natural methods actually can be more um, effective than pharmaceuticals. And what's interesting is they don't create resistance and they're much easier on the body. The reason, if you want to understand, you'll hear people say all the time, um, you know, drug resistant or antibiotic resistant. And so you might tend to wonder, well, if I'm using oils, can I become like, you know, these resistant or rosemary resistant? The reason why you don't become resistant to, um, plants is because you and plants have always coexisted and the beneficial bacteria and the things that benefit you also benefit the plants. And so they, they cohabit and they, uh, they, they, ha they're, 
drugs were invented later. Okay. Drugs were invented later. Plants came first, then animals, then people, right? Um, and drugs came just a couple years ago, basically. And there's no way that our drugs can outsmart what has existed for forever. And um, what has existed forever works with each other because they're literally made to work together. <laughs> so weird. Um, natural methods to control yeast um, will probably give you flu-like symptoms, which is yeast die off. I am sorry. But you get to keep your liver, so that's a win. And even if your pharmaceutical drug can kill off a systemic yeast infection, guess what happens when you stop? The yeast comes back. You didn't solve the problem. So it's around us in our environment, and it will reinfest us one way or another. You go right back to drinking soda pop or whatever thing people do these days. And um, there you go, getting infected again. So... There's a natural protocol, protocol time, natural way of um, clearing yeast overgrowth. Sorry, if you're not sold on doing this, like I don't even know because I'm super sold on doing this now. It sounds so easy. So <laughs> for the past 20 years, what people have done, basically the kind of word of the day has been take 15 garlic pills and 15 acidophilus pills a day decreasing over a period of three weeks to five per day and then staying at the level four two to three years until the yeast is all gone. This isn't like, you know, when people like want a prescription that they're going to take for a couple of weeks, which is what we tend to think with pills, but you've got a lot of cells in your body and <laughs> who's waving? <laughs> I see a tiny hand. <laughs> um, so other herbs that support your body during this time would be caprylic acid, powdarco, yellow dock, immune building herbs like cat's claw or what's called unión de gato. Um, I suppose it would go without saying that. She probably, well, she actually talks about diet further on, but you know, we should probably stop doing the things that are feeding the yeast. So there's other effective natural ways to deal with yeast that can take less time. You guys remember when we did the parasite protocol, um, supporting a body with parasites that we don't want to have anymore. There was the one way that took quite a long time, but it totally worked. And then there was the other way that also worked, but didn't take as long. Do you guys remember that? Like the, the degrees of difference, the potency. So there's other ways um, that can be faster. Um, there's two aspects to an effective protocol for taming yeast. <laughs> Tame the beast. Tame the yeast. The first is diet modification to starve the candida so it cannot continue multiplying. The second is to reduce it to its proper balance in relation to good bacteria, which is a very small ratio. So if you've been diagnosed with a yeast infection or if you suspect that you have one based on your own just self-observations and you just don't want to have it, the, the thing that's sorry to say is you have to follow, you must follow a strict diet while working to get rid of the yeast. No, if you don't, basically everything else you're doing is now useless. Um, this is actually true in regard to any dysfunction disorder disease. It's just, you know, she's like, this is just the way it is. So good food can help us keep our bodies on natural disease fighting system, which is our immune system in tip-top shape. Um, we've all heard 
you know, we've all seen the meme now that says, let food be thy medicine. Um, and, you know, this is kind of what we're talking about. Like the things that we eat can be healing us. The things that we eat can also be killing us. So um, on the other hand, really bad food can in a long or a short period of time reduce our immune system's ability to fight disease. So I don't know if you guys listened to um, Karen Hurd. She was interviewed on um, Lacey Phillips podcast, um, expanded podcast, but Karen Hurd is like amazing information. She's like this genius doctor basically. And um, she said, there's studies on if you consume sugar, what your immune system does, you know, like your white cell blood production. And she said the longest study is five hours. So the longest we can say that they've observed this white blood cell production, you know, immune systems um, fighting response, the longest they've observed that after consuming sugar is five hours. But she said at, fi at the five hours mark, um, so, so as soon as you consume the sugar, your white blood cells basically plummet. So your immune system drops through the floor and at five hours, it hadn't come up at all. It was still down through the floor. So you think about when people are like trying to stay healthy during this time, they're like wearing their mask and everything and taking showers and Purell and whatnot. And then they're going and getting like a sugary drink or, um, just eating anything with sugar in it or, you know, because all of the aisles <laughs> are like empty in the store are yeah. all sugary stuff. Yeah. Yes. All, all the snacks, all the donuts. Um, and so they're all tanking their immune systems literally as fast as they can. Hi, Aurelia. Hi. <laughs> um, and what do people who are trying to don't even get me gone on this, but what do people who are trying to have a healthy um, yeast and bacteria balance and gut do? They go and they eat Yoplait, which is filled with so much sugar. There's more sugar in Yoplait than in like the cookies they make for my kids. And that is not an exaggeration. So um, yeah, literally the cookies I make for my kids are probably healthier than like most people's breakfast. <clears throat> it's ridiculous. So Refined sugar is one of the worst stressors of our immune system possible. And of course, it's literally yeast number one food. Yay. So colon cleanse. <laughs> are we here again? <laughs> Did I just say that? Colon cleanse can help with cleaning out yeast and possibly other parasites that have moved in while your colon has not been functioning properly. Remember how we talked about how parasites are like, oh, so much food. It's such a cozy, warm place. Let's just live here and have babies forever. So do the colon cleanse first uh, before you go on to the yeast diet, um, just to allow dead yeast organisms to be eliminated from the body more easily. Okay, no matter what protocol we talk about, it's always going to say colon cleanse first. <laughs> like, it's like uh, you're cleaning a hoarder house and the door is piled up in front of it. Like, you got to clear the door first. You ain't going to get nothing out of the hoarder house. So, I don't know why I <laughs> everything for me is a word picture, but there we go. So, um, your body is a house. So, um, do your colon cleanse first, decrease the toxic reaction by making it easier for the yeast to get out of your body. Um, this, everybody's heard this term. This can be called a healing crisis, or I did not know this, Herxheimer reaction. 
that sounds way fancier than healing crisis. But Herxheimer reaction is often associated with yeast die off, those flu-like symptoms we talked about. So um, you can also do a master cleanse first to clear the way. I would definitely say do the cleanses first because, um, I mean, why would you not? I can't even imagine why not. If you're going so far as to do, you know, a candida cleanse, obviously you're committed to your health and you want to live in your body for as long as possible. So then of course you want to use probiotics, acidophilus and bifidus to fill the space that the yeast where, where that the yeast has died, where the yeast has died. Uh, you want to take these from the very beginning of your candida cleanse. These are friendly bacteria. They take control of the microbiotic environment of the colon so that the yeast can't come back as a problem. Uh, did you ever... <laughs> Y'all ever read in the Bible where Jesus says that if you cast a demon out of a man and you don't fill the space with God, the demons will come back. So think of the yeast as a demon and God as a good bacteria. So um, <laughs> I actually don't know why I had to say that in that voice. That was really awkward. So um, friendly bacterial control the space. Um, good quality yogurt. Not your play. Not your play. Um, you can make your own yogurt, guys. It is probably the easiest homesteadery thing in the universe. Actually, I would say kefir would be better. Kefir is more diverse, way more diverse, di diverse than yogurt. And homemade kefir, most of all. Um, Store-bought kefir has like a couple, maybe four or six strains of bacteria in it. Homemade's going to have way tons more. So you can get the grains from culturesforhealth.com. You need milk and you need grains and that's it. And super, super easy, huge, diverse source of um, mom because country living leads to that. <laughs> he said, yeah. So guys, I'm chicken now. I'm all talking country accent. So when you um, uh, make kefir, it's easier to make than yogurt because it's room temperature. You don't have to do this whole like um, put a crock pot in boiling water for two hours and put it under a red light therapy lamp with a lid wrap under 12 towels and check the thermometer with a probe every two hours. Like, no, well, no. With literally just a, a mason jar, you can make kefir every single day. And kefir works best on the 24-hour cycle. So we literally make kefir in the morning and just start, like we drink what we make and then start the next batch and it just goes until the next morning when we drink it again and we make more. So yeah, um, except for during the move, I made like two gallons. <laughs> Cause I was like, I'm not gonna be able to make kefir while I'm moving. I was correct. I am not making kefir while I'm moving. I'll probably start some tomorrow now that I've found my kitchen counters. <laughs> so um, good quality yogurt has a variety of live cultures. Um, top notch name brand yogurt. She says to be sure of getting sufficient high quality yogurt. Some cheap yogurts, quote unquote, have no probiotics in them. All oh, they're trash. Kefir is even better for you than yogurt. See, I guess if I just kept on going with the notes, I would have got to that anyway. You can make them both at home for yourself for best results. Um, did you know you can make coconut yogurt with the Life9 capsules? So take coconut milk and sprinkle in Life9 capsules, whisk, 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 put on a top and let it sit um, at like warmish room temp. <laughs> Apparently it makes coconut yogurt. I just learned this from a gold the other day. Um, you can, you, you should also take a concentrated source of probiotics in capsule form. Literally everybody should do this. I don't care if you're on a cleanse or not. This is like 
basics of life. Capsules contain, contain billions of helpful bacteria versus the millions available in yogurt or the zeros, zerlions available in some yogurt. Um, if your yogurt has a cartoon character on it, it's bad for you. <laughs> we'll just go with that. Life 9 from Young Living is a great probiotic. So that, that's, that's the one we use because, um, hello, we can get ornithine rewards and get points for it and free stuff. <laughs> so um, the diet for fighting yeast overgrowth <laughs> is as follows. Okay. If you're vegetarian, just plug your ears. For the first two weeks, eat only meat and vegetables <laughs> with the exception of such vegetables as potatoes peas, sweet potatoes, and sweet corn, which are not really vegetables anyways, <laughs> but America thinks they are. They're tubers and grains, just so you know. Um, these vegetables, <laughs> they're hot. I, I'm sorry, Gary got me an um, Americano today. Whatever, <laughs> I might have had a Zoom call today. Um, but these vegetables, so-called, are high in starch, a substance which our body quickly processes into sugar and then uses to feed the little yeast pets. So remember, sugar's the bad guy. Um, in, in this diet, um, meats are considered to include all the usual meats, poultry and fish, plus eggs and nuts. I did not know eggs and nuts were considered meat, but you learn something new every day. Walnuts, pecans, almonds, cashews, etc., and then nut butters. And some people exclude peanuts, which are actually a legume, um, because they may did not know this. They may carry mold from growing underground. Actually, my friend Beryl uh, grew up in Kenya on her grandma's plantation, and she told me how she used to have to get up every morning and till her rows of ground nuts before she could go to school. And because she had so many rows to till, she was sometimes late to school. Which, if you're late to school, then instead of taking the lesson, you have to stand outside and like splatter mud on the side of the school wall. Like they actually want you to do, or not mud, poop on the side of the school wall. Um, so she said she was always missing classes all the time because she was always late is piling ground nuts and I was like what are ground nuts and she's like you know these and I was like oh you mean peanuts she's like whatever so fats do not promote um yeast growth so they're not restricted in this diet okay um coconut oil has actually been shown to kill yeast in lab experiments and it's definitely something to include in your anti-candida diet I love coconut oil. Um, tropical traditions, or I think they're now called healthy traditions, is my favorite place um, to get coconut oil from. We usually get five-gallon buckets. I think those are out of stock right now. But um, just check. If you don't get emails from them, sign up for their emails because the shipping on coconut oil is heavy, so it is pretty expensive. But every once in a while, they do a free shipping. And when they do free shipping, I just order, like, a crap ton of coconut oil. Ask Gary. <clears throat> he'll tell you it's true. And did you know they also have palm oil? There's bad palm oil, like kill the orangutan type palm oil. And then there's good ethical, um, traditionally wet milled palm oil. Did you know palm oil has all those same lovely benefits of coconut oil, except it doesn't have the lauric acid? So... I love palm oil and palm shortening is like my number one baking thing. It's cheaper than butter. It's better than Crisco, but it's, it literally is the same consistency and color and taste of Crisco. Like it's the same thing, but it's good for you. So I bet it would make an amazing body butter. Mm. 
So sauerkraut and raw apple cider vinegar are great additions to your diet. Fermented foods are full of probiotics that feed beneficial bacteria. Some people say that a spoonful of sauerkraut has more um, bacteria in it than an entire bottle of uh, like grocery store probiotics, which is crazy, uh, for the best results. Ferment your own vegetables. Pro tip, home fermented vegetables are the cheapest thing you will ever make in your entire life. And fermented vegetables from the store, good ones, are probably the most expensive thing you'll ever buy in your entire life. Okay, Colleen's naughty because we know I've spent $12, $15, on tiny containers of kimchi when I'm traveling. And I can make it at home for like 10 cents a gallon. So you tell me which one is cheaper because I'm not going to math. So please note there are different kinds of fermentation. They're not all the same. Um, the yeast that can turn candida in, into candida is not the same as the yeast in grain or the bacteria in fermented vegetables. Um, if, if you say, I have kombucha, and somebody's like, isn't that alcohol? Or if you say, I have, uh, I'm fermenting cabbage, and they're like, you're making alcohol. And you can tell them there's ethanol fermentation, which is alcohol. And then there's your sauerkraut and everything else, which is actually technically not fermentation from a microbiological standpoint. It is not fermentation. It is a much longer sentence that I don't remember. And the alcohol in kombucha is about the same as the alcohol levels in a loaf of bread. So when somebody says, can pregnant people have kombucha? I'm like, can pregnant people have bread? As I eat a loaf of bread, I think yes. So, um, drink only water, no carbonated beverages ever, even if they are sugar-free. It goes without saying that you can't have alcohol, no breads, grains, cakes, sugars, including honey, molasses, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup. Um, yeah, Sabrina, take your straw out of your corn syrup bottle because... I was like, no, honey, <laughs> oh honey what um maple syrup cane sugar beet sugar all fruit jelly fresh or dried fruits or fruit juices etc please don't replace them with artificial sweeteners which may not feed candida per se but are detrimental to your health for other reasons wait wait wait, wait. does she mention stevia i feel like it's probably got a count <laughs> she does not but i think stevia is probably fine oh really I don't, I don't think it I don't think it's like a glucose, is it? Um, somebody's gonna have to check me on that. Not Maybe sure. Because I that's a great question. That could literally like make this a terrible thing or an amazing thing. <laughs> right. I feel like you can like you can probably eat stevia leaves and fennel leaves, which are super, super sweet. And I don't think that that would feed they're not a fruit. So I don't know. Someone's gonna have to check that because actually I've no idea. She does not mention it that I see. Um, milk and milk products and anything containing these as ingredients are not likewise not allowed. But wait, she said kefir was fine. So I guess kefir is fine and yogurt's fine. Um, I will say most of us with milk intolerance can have fermented milk. And before you throw up in your hand, fermented milk is like kefir and different cheeses and yogurt and stuff that you. That's what I was gonna say. The last, like, the thing you left out on the fermented thing is people go, 
oh, you mean like it's bad? You let it go bad? I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Raw milk does not go bad. I don't know if you've ever made clabbered milk, but I made clabbered milk all the time when I ran out of room in my fridge. So I'd bring home my raw milk. And if there wasn't room in the fridge for some of the jars, believe me, it happened. Then I would just put it on the counter with the lid on and shake it every once in a while for like 12 to 24 hours. And it basically turns into a thick uh, like yogurt because its own enzymes and stuff doesn't work. People have no idea like what sour cream is. Right! Yeah! <laughs> it's cream that went sour, just so you know. <laughs> um, raw milk does not go bad. It only turns into different things. So, um, yeah, that's literally the magic of raw milk is um, if you <laughs> want to put your um, ultra heat treated milk on the counter i promise it's going to be disgusting you do not want that's not this is just another example of how disconnected people are from what their food is where they get i never knew any of this i mean if you uh, i actually made clabbered milk the first time by mistake because i left a container on the fridge or on the counter overnight without realizing it and then in the morning i was like oh no the milk and i looked at it and i was like Dang, this actually looks far from delicious. It wasn't like all rotty and chunky. Oh. <laughs> Ashley's like, so <laughs> it was good being here. <laughs> Didn't realize you were in the rotten food club. <laughs> Surprising, rotten food is really good for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, tomatoes are considered a vegetable. Corn is considered a grain, so you can eat tomatoes in this diet, but not corn. Did you guys know rhubarb for importation? This is not related, but here we are. Did you know rhubarb for importation purposes purposes is classified as both a vegetable and a fruit? Is that so weird? So you can call it either one. I'm actually a rhubarb fanatic. So can't wait to plant rhubarb probably everywhere on this property. Um, rhubarb's amazing. So you may be aware that our brains and cells use glucose for energy and worry that sugar restriction is hazardous for that reason. Not to worry. You can derive glucose from the yeast cleansing diet and besides your brain and other cells can also use fats for energy but no trans fats please so foods that are verboten during the yeast cleanse um allowed or verboten i don't know the german word for allowed so i can't say it um number one allowed meat fish eggs nuts not peanuts vegetables including fermented vegetables and fats coconut oil is a great one verboten Sugar in any form, glucose, maltose, fructose, any, anything ending in ose. Carbonated beverages, milk, fruit and fruit juice, grains and flour, sweet corn, potatoes, sweet potatoes, peas. Um, yeah, the peppers, basically. <laughs> Everything that they serve at school lunches, just in case you didn't notice. So um, ways to boost your cleanse, just ways to kind of support your body as you go through this, kind of to support your general health and emotional well-being while you go through this obviously traumatizing time of killing yeast. Um, number one is Melrose. That's an oil blend you can get on your essential rewards. It's got Melaleuca, which you can look up why you would want to be using um, Melaleuca. Um, 25 drops of Melrose in a capsule. Just going to stop the sentence right there. Um, 
or you can actually put 15 drops in one cup of cold water. If this is your first time, <laughs> if it's your first, a cup is going to be too much, but um, you can use it for a retention enema to hold for 15 minutes. A cup would be quite a lot, but um, you know, maybe work up to that. Um, enemas can be super unpleasant, she says. I um, yeah, to be initiated into the club, but I am making my way slowly there. Um, I will find the courage. I think we need to, when I say group enema, <laughs> I don't mean together. I just mean at the same time and encouraging each other and crying. You sound like me and Robin talking about the um, suppository molds that were like, well, oh, that was, that oh. was the best conversation that, you know what? I, um so enemas can be unpleasant but they can clear up candida in a matter of weeks versus years and i worth it worth it (laughs) i checked my calendar and weeks are shorter than years so that's a win um you can also put 15 drops in a quarter cup of coconut oil and use that as a retention and much she says the word syringe i'm not sure how that works um Please don't okay, so remember we talked we talked about this before. We were like, "What does she mean by like an injected, like directly yeah, injected?" Was what word phrase she used? And yes. I finally figured out that she takes a dropper, like the dropper tops from the drop balls, and they <laughs> they push that in and put it in. And I was like, "Well, okay." <laughs> I'm feeling emotional. Um, I don't even want to read the next sentence, but we're friends, so I will. Um. You will need to f- cool the filled syringe first so that the mixture is a semi-solid and doesn't come right back out. And this should be done just before you go to bed to prevent too much leakage. Oh, okay, I said it. Um, it I guess, makes some sense. It like, totally does makes that sense. mean you go to sleep with it? I just want to know. Does that mean like it's like, anyways? Isn't okay. it going to just like warm up with your body temperature? I feel like I need more with? detail. <laughs> But I also don't want more details at the same time. So anyways, um, number two, I'm just going to go ahead and move on from there. Um, other great oils for keeping your body healthy or just um, staying happy and whole and sane at this time. Um, Colleen said probably less. Yeah, I guess you'd be laying down. Oh, yeah. Don't do this right before going to the grocery store. Um, um, thyme, patchouli, and cedarwood, uh, clove, and lemongrass. Um, I think this is okay to say clove and lemongrass have been demonstrated to inhibit the creation of a protective biofilm by the candida organism. I think that's fine to say. Um, so that's, that's useful, fun stuff to have. Um, be cautious with clove, lemongrass and thyme. They're very hot, high in phenols, which is why we want them, but also put only seven drops in coconut oil. Although she doesn't say how much coconut oil, I guess, uh, quarter cup so only seven drops in a quarter cup and use it as a retention enema just for funsies (laughs) so for little children um has anybody ever had a friend who says that like their daughter or their kid or whatever has like yeast infections every couple weeks or um just like um any of those other health things that we talked about you know, I feel like I know people who say this all the time. And then they're also like, so weird. We take antibiotics every month. Why does she keep getting a yeast infection? So, um, gee. So for small children, just to um, support their happiness and healthiness, you can put one to four drops of melodies into a capsule or in a spoon of peanut butter or applesauce. 
Um, no, put the capsule in a spoon of peanut butter, applesauce. I'm just ending the sentence there. You can do whatever you want with that spoon of peanut butter, applesauce. Three times a day. Um, or you can put three drops in an eyedropper and insert into the rectum, which I'm sure your kids would be like, yay. Stevia. Whoa. Here we go, Sabrina. Stevia, um, which is a food, not a young living thing, so I can say the following, is effective at killing yeast. Win-win. Take two to three drops by mouth three times a day. Stevia can also give a sweet taste in your mouth for a change from meat and veg. Okay, so, so I can totally do the diet part of this. No, nope. you're like I'm. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. in. I've thought about it, and I'm in. <laughs> so, um, you could do all of the above instead of the garlic routine for the next couple years of your life, and this, um, is just great. <laughs> I hope you guys understand that I can't read everything that she says in the book. Um, it will just mean gross stuff. I mean the happy stuff. This is just a great. But thrushes oral candida, so kids' stuff would be good for babies and breastfeeding. That's a great point, Colleen. That's a great point. All the kids going in for the two-month well checks and then getting antibiotics a little bit later and then getting thrush. Weird. So um, the protocol does not seem to include anything directly targeting systemic candida. Um, dang it, I can't, so I can't read the next sentence. You'll have to read it in the book. Um, a rigorous diet is indispensable for the best results. Yeast, yeast is determined to live and it's going to fight. It's not going to make it easy. Um, you have to stay on it conscientiously for two weeks and then begin reintroducing a single simple food to your diet every four days. The reason for adding foods one at a time is that yeast cleansing changes the colon and its digesting process. Some foods, when introduced back into your diet, may cause stomachache, headache, vomiting, diarrhea, gas, a rash, or other symptoms. These may be foods that your body has always been sensitive or allergic to without you realizing it by introducing or reintroducing foods one at a time. You can see which one causes the problem. It also lets your enzymes ramp back up slowly. If you have a reaction to a food, avoid it for a month or two before trying it again. Um, you can also take enzyme supplements, just whichever variation. Um, this is not really related to candida or anything. Just everybody should take enzyme supplements. Um, if you're not taking enzyme supplements yet, I highly recommend that you try. Um, you could start with Detoxzyme or just Essential Zymes. Those are just a great one to have um, for happy, happy tummies. So you'll start by adding in grains. The reintroduction will start with grains. Rice and quinoa are mild grains. Um, they usually don't have a reaction, she says. You can add one or the other and eat it as often as you want for four days. I feel like if I hadn't had them in that long, I'd be like, I'm eating every breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But um, hopefully you can just have it without a problem. And then what wheat often causes a reaction because of the way it's abused in processing. So be careful with that one. Maybe try einkorn instead if you were doing a slow and reintroduction um, or try to find like a small mill around you with really, really good heritage wheat that's never kind of harshly treated. Um, also, obviously, high re highly refined grains are not the point. Um, you're basically going to slowly work your way back into like a Weston A. Price Foundation style diet. If you don't know what that is, just look up WAPF hashtag WAP. <laughs> and it's um, pretty much what we eat at our house. So um, she suggests you begin with sourdough bread, a not sourdough flavored bread, which is apparently a thing, um, or learn to make your own. It's easier to digest. Again, sourdough bread is the cheapest bread you'll ever make. And so easy to digest. Think about 
when yeah. you put something in your body, this has got like a shell over the top of it. And this is going right. to be a thing called phytic acid. Phytic acid is like awful anyway. <laughs> but this like basically like it pre-digests it, which sounds disgusting, but it makes it super easy for your body yes. to get the actual nutrients yes. out of it. It breaks down. We actually humans, we're not ruminants. So we're actually really bad at breaking like these big grains and veg down. Um, the way it's supposed to work is protozoa in the soil are going through worm digestive tracts and then plants are sucking up what they, those are leaving and then animals are consuming the plants and going through a rigorous, they literally ferment it in their stomachs <laughs> one after another. And then their body turns all of that goodness into building blocks for organs and meat or like muscle tissue, meat, all those things. And then humans actually consume the animals, which is something our bodies can break down. Weird. And um, that's kind of it's, it's called the food chain. It's a thing. And we're at the top. <laughs> so that's fun. Um, but sourdough bread is basically exactly what Sabrina said. It's pre-digested. Um, sauerkraut is pre-digested. It's already broken down. And actually the einkorn flour you get from Young Living is also partially pre-digested even before you ferment it because they cut the shocks in the field and let them stand um, until the enzymes start to do their work of literally digesting and unraveling. Notice what and she said, the enzymes start to do your work. That's what the enzymes do in your body. They break it down for you to actually use. <laughs> yes. Yes. So then when you get your einkorn berries or flour from Young Living, it's going to be a little different than the einkorn you get probably if you can get einkorn anywhere else. Um, so that's one thing I love. Or you can get grains and sprout them, you know, to avoid that phytic acid that Sabrina was talking about. But you still even sprouted and then fermented is probably the best. Um, or feed it your chickens and then eat the eggs later. So um, after grains, you can try various fruits. Um, berries is a great place to start because they're not like a big glucose spiker. And then um, be aware that fruits and milk will often cause reactions. Um, once you've tried simple foods, you can experiment with more complex foods. Um, stay away from white sugar forever. The only white sugar we have in the house is for making kombucha. So we only use sugar to feed kombucha um, and let the bacteria and yeast completely consume it. And then once they've completely consumed it, we drink kombucha. Um, we could use honey or a different sugar source instead. It's just uh, really good organic sugar is cheaper than <laughs> honey. <laughs> so um, high fructose corn syrup is a no. Um, you can use stevia, fruits, fruit juice, and honey as sweeteners instead. Molasses has a strong taste not everyone enjoys, but I love it. Um, it does contain iron and other minerals. Um, or you can use sucanut or like raw cane sugar or dehydrated cane crystals if you really need to have cane sugar for something. Um, dates are super sweet. They're a great way to sweeten things. You can add them to like smoothies and stuff. Avoid supermarket milk. Um, pasteurized homogenized milk is not good for you. It actually increases... Um, osteoporosis and um, raw milk is fine she says so increasing your mineral intake can help uh, you could take uh, young living has a mineral supplement you can actually take it in your bath like put it in your bath and soak in it um, for kids you can put it inside the back of their knees um, you can take it in capsules um, or 
um, put it like I put it in Ningxia. Um, buckwheat is a good source of copper, and buckwheat's actually a seed, not a grain. A barley grass juice is a good source of copper, but whole barley eaten as a grain can exacerbate gluten tolerance problems in certain individuals. So, of course, all these things to think about. If you follow Weston A. Price Foundation um, food rules, I don't like to use the word rule. I think they call them like um, principles. Um, you will literally be doing everything right. So you can go to their website and they have all kinds of cool stuff you can print out and stuff like that if you just want to see like what their principles are and why the principles are what they are. But it's all very like um, ancestral ways of eating, just ways that humans have prepared food for as long as humans have prepared food. And um, so we know that it's things that support our body's health. And uh, everything I'm saying can be like a bit much because... Um, there's so much information out there, but everything I've ever found that um, is repeated like in these books and other books and everywhere always comes back to like, well, it all falls under the purview of the Weston A. Price Foundation principles. So often with the killing yeast, remember we talked about the die-off um, reaction. You can feel achy and sick. You might have a severe headache, mucus secretions, or feel like your bones are going to break. You might even have emotional disturbances. Doesn't this sound fun? I hope you're all sold on this. So if this happens, you can add blood purifiers just to um, calm yourself down. Um, yellow dock and red clover can help. You can do lemon enemas. Say that 10 times. Actually, that would be really hard to say 10 times. I said that and then I was like, that, that actually is a great tongue, tongue twister. Um, oils that you can use uh, just to support your happy, healthy self is juva cleanse or purification. Um, you can get vitality versions, do one drop by mouth every minute for 10 minutes, then one drop every 10 minutes until the reaction, um, until you feel happier. Um, and you can do Epsom salt baths or do big mineral flake baths. Those are my favorite. I don't know why. Um, soak in a warm tub with several drops of clove oil. Several drops, not a lot of drops. We're talking like two or three. <laughs> Put them in the Epsom salt i almost said epsom oil put them in the epsom salt and then put the salt in the water because otherwise they'll just have clove floating on top of your water um just relax and soak 15 to 30 minutes uh listen to um a jordan trant video or something um some symptoms of die-off are caused by acetylaldehyde proud of myself so you can help your body break it down by taking molybdenum and iron. <laughs> um, so here's all the products that we mentioned in the discussion today. Melrose oil, clove, lemongrass, thyme, cedarwood, patchouli oils, stevia, juvaflex or purification, clove oil, again, Epsom salts, coconut oil, life nine, uh, mineral essence, um, and probably um, KNB wouldn't be a bad one either. So that's it. For a yeast and candida protocol, wow, we went way over time. Um, chicken protocol was a bonus for probably the one person who will ever care. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. You guys care. You probably all want to have chickens or have chickens already. So, um, yeah, that's it for today. And I'm so grateful for all of you jumping on here and just hanging out with me and listening to me talk about enemas and yeast and other delicious things. Uh, I'm making a fun recording for our teens to enjoy later.
as I'm sure, as I'm sure they will. <laughs>